social ladies. All the 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 social ladies. Now put your phones up. Okay, so Jenna's just taken her sweater off, which means she's ready for game time. I was in a really bad mood, so let's hope I snap out of this. <laughs> Michelle. Yes. Do you remember when everything was cake? Yes, people were baking objects to look like cake, like inanimate objects. Yes, and no one could distinguish if it was real, if it was fake. And now, no one can distinguish between the damn platforms these days. Because they're all the same. Okay, so Fleets came out last week, which is Twitter's response to Instagram stories. And then previously this month, LinkedIn launched their version Everyone of stories. Everyone has stories. God Did damn you see it. the thing? That, I think you <laughs> sent this to me that Excel is going to start to have stories. Yeah. It's, it was a joke, but it's At funny. this point, I kind of do want stories in my Google Doc so I can, you know, show my colleagues like, hey, I'm actually working on this. <laughs> yeah. Well, another player who is copying another platform is Snapchat. So mm-hmm. Snapchat just rolled out its clone of TikTok which is called Spotlight. And admittedly, I am not a big Snapchat user, but Neither there is a big fan base for it. So mm-hmm. the usership is actually growing. And I'm interested to see if it continues to grow based on Spotlight. But one thing I wanted to call out was Spotlight's algorithm. Okay. So the way it works is every video gets distributed to at least 100 viewers. And then those that get the highest engagement get elevated to the next distribution tier of 1,000 viewers. So it's kind of like a tournament style algorithm that means every piece of content is treated equally by Snapchat at the start. I kind of like that type of bidding. I like it too. I'm trying to go viral. (laughs) I also, I think they're reviewing the the content in the first 100 views, right? Yeah, so you can't get past that initial view threshold until humans and software have confirmed that it's adhering to Snapchat's community guidelines. Very interesting. I mean, I'm still probably going to stick with TikTok, but I'm definitely going to dust off my Snapchat app (laughs) and take Spotlight for a spin. Speaking of TikTok, I forgot that we were going to talk about this today. Oh my God, the Sherwin-Williams guy. Yeah, so Sherwin-Williams is getting a ton of heat right now because they fired a guy who worked at like a local Sherwin-Williams and he posted videos on TikTok mixing paint to create Mm -hmm. the different colors. And he was like very viral on TikTok. Yeah, he was doing really well. And Sherwin-Williams fired him. And we're sad about it. I saw a tweet that was like, they found the only millennial who loves their job or who is passionate (laughs) about their job and fired them for it. It's just, I don't know. He was doing social media management for them for free. Well, I mean, not free. They were paying him to do his day-to-day, but. Yeah, people are blowing up the Sherwin-Williams pages and even some of its competitors have chimed in to start to kind of bring some of their previous customers over to a new service. I wonder if either of those brands will wind up picking up this guy. They'd be dumb not to. Someone needs to hire him for some cool piece of content. Honestly. So anyone out there who works for a paint company, (laughs) swoop him up. Back to the tournament idea that you mentioned before. Did you know that the sale of chess sets has gone up. I did know that. So there was already a little bit of an increase this year by 25%. Presumably Probably because, because of the pandemic, exactly. Of the pandemic. But in the weeks since The Queen's Gambit premiered on Netflix, sales have grown 125%. And The Queen's Gambit, for those who are unfamiliar, is about a young woman's rise to you know, chess stardom. (laughs) It's a really good series. Check it out on Netflix if you haven't. We watched it in two days. Oh yeah, of course. 
But I saw something that said, like, if you're going to buy a chess set for someone for the holidays, you better do it now. Before they sell out. Before they sell out. It reminds me when no one can find a puzzle. It's true. In the middle of quarantine. I'm glad you actually brought up shopping for the holidays. Mm -hmm. It's 2020. Yep. I think there was no better time to be shopping local. Correct. And early, honestly. Yeah, I mean, Black. what is Black Friday this year? No one's going to be going to stores, hopefully. Hopefully. No one will be lining up, you know, for those sales. Most retailers have shifted to an online-only model. Mm-hmm. And 38% of small businesses are actually selling through social. Yeah, there's tons of tools that have been rolled out to help small businesses during this time. You can, you know, the Instagram shopping. You can shop through an Instagram live video now. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. You know who's also doing live video? Our guest today. Bridget Benjamin is the Director of Social Media and Special Projects at Scholastic. And she actually has an extensive background in live video and community management for live programming. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's taken a lot of what she learned and implemented it at Scholastic. Totally. Scholastic is such a nostalgic brand and we all remember it growing up. So it was really interesting to talk to Bridget today and hear about what's happened in the last 100 years and what's in store for the future. So here it is. Hi, Bridget. Welcome to All the Social Ladies. Hi there. Thanks for having me. So we start every episode with a social media speed round. So we're going to throw some rapid fire questions at you. All right, let's do it. Okay, here we go. What's your favorite social network? Instagram. What is your go-to emoji? (laughs) (laughs) It's the, uh, the one with the hugs, the hugging face. Yeah, that one. Where he has like his little hands out to the side. Yeah, but then there's a cute <laughs> one that just came out with a mustache, so I might get into that one, but we'll stick with the hugging one for now. <laughs> nice. How about Twitter or TikTok? Twitter. Stories or feed? Stories. What Instagram ad can you not get rid of? Oh man, what a great question. <laughs> oh, I would say like Nike, Kate Spade, they're typically in my feed. There was at one point, I forget what it's called, but I actually convert it to purchase which it is the, one of the coolest tools ever I forget what it's called I'm gonna mess this up I think it's called bottle rocket and it's this awesome wine opener where you pump <gasps> it and it pops up and it opens it is phenomenal um, I can visualize what you're talking about you yeah. caught our attention yeah okay good good, good, good. <laughs> so did that and clearly so did the ad if I convert it to purchase you know <laughs> yeah what a success story we actually hear that a lot when we ask this question people are like oh they got me with this one <laughs> I love it what is your favorite meme oh my favorite meme would it be wrong if I said it was one of the memes that we just created with Scholastic where we kind Not of wrong. <laughs> we kind of jumped on the um, Kim Kardashian uh, bandwagon when she invited a few personal close guests yes. to her island. And we created a meme about using that same language that she had and um, said we were doing a uh, magic school bus tour and it was through the uh, human uh-huh. body. So I thought that was pretty ingenious. I love that. That's so good. (laughs) Okay, last one. It's 2005 and you're on MySpace. What song would be playing on your profile? Um, Well, fun fact, I was never on MySpace. But if I was putting myself back to my college dorm, it was probably an Ashley Simpson song. Oh, God, that sounds so terrible. Pieces of Me. (laughs) Oh, man. Remember Pieces of Me and Living in the Shadow? 
of someone else's dream. Oh, that was so <laughs> great. Well, we would love to hear about you and your journey um, that led you to Scholastic. How should I start this? You know, I've had the incredible, <laughs> <laughs> I've had the incredible opportunity to really work for multiple companies, nonprofit organizations, ranging from education to philanthropy, entertainment and television companies. And since the eighth grade, I always wanted to work in television. Um, I loved running home and catching MTV's Total Request Live yes, with Carson, Carson Daly. Daly. <laughs> right? I, oh, I thought that idea of being super cool and hip and being an MTV VJ, meet these famous musicians. So at 13, I really set my eyes for New York City and wanted to work in TV. I got my undergraduate and graduate degrees and really was in college when Facebook was just for college students in 2004. So then really social media started to evolve after I graduated grad school in 2010. I got my first job in New York City for a company called News Broadcast Network. Um, they worked with different ad agencies to do uh, satellite TV and radio media tours. And at the time, they were really interested in digital production and creating website landing pages, um, promoting the different companies and I'll say minor celebrities that they had as clients <laughs> and using this new concept of digital promotion for brands and companies and using social media to reach people. And this was in 2010. Um, so of course, they give it to the youngest associate there, which was me. Um, <laughs> classic <laughs> move. Right classic there. move. Um, I remember pouring myself into social media. Um, I knew how to use it in my personal life, but figuring out how a company could use it was definitely a different challenge. Uh, but I remember that year in 2010, uh, Twitter made major changes to the site's user interface, right? Um, they allowed photos and videos to be shared, which was so groundbreaking. Um, so really social media was just kind of gaining its stride, figuring out how it could keep people on their sites, keep them engaged, which was perfect for brands and companies to share their products and messages. So I stayed with that company for about a year, and in 2011, I got my first official job in television working as a digital producer for a trash TV talk show <laughs> called The Jeremy Kyle Show. And I probably shouldn't say trash TV. The official name for it, <laughs> the, the official name for it is conflict resolution. But to everyone out there, it's it's trash TV. So hey, it was that's big. our guilty pleasure over here. Is it really? We <laughs> have our full lineup of conflict resolution shows. <laughs> yeah, so it was basically the British version of the Mari Povich show. It's no longer running here in the U.S. We were canceled after two years. Go figure. But um, <laughs> that position, you know, it really taught me so much about choosing video clips and moments, uh, photos from the show that could really get people mm -hmm. to to interact and engage and have a conversation. It was we were really tapping into conversations about race and relationships and baby daddies, you name it, we covered it on the show. Then in 2012, I took a job as a freelancer working for Yahoo Shine. Um, that which at the time in 2012, it was a new website that offered everything from fashion to beauty to parenting and lifestyle. And that was really my first real experience working for a large corporate company. Um, but I learned so much about testing content and photos, mm. copy, finding a voice, social strategy. But the company was really going through some internal changes. So sadly, my position was eliminated. Um, but it opened the door to one of my favorite moments in my career in which I served as the digital producer for a live late night TV show called Watch What Happens Live uh, with Andy Cohen Love on Love it. Combo. Yeah. I was so waiting for this part of the story. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a heck of a ride. I worked there for seasons, let's see, 10, 11, 12, 13. Um, so from Teresa Judice to... Amy Schumer, uh, 
Lady Gaga. I can't. I'm like gushing over all of these people right now. This was your TRL moment. This was my TRL moment, a full circle TRL moment for sure. And I got to meet and interact with these Bravo celebrities, these celebrities for backstage content. I managed all the social and digital channels. Um, we pulled the best show clips that got picked up by multiple press outlets, live tweeted the show, interacted with fans through polls and questions. We always tapped into timely pop culture moments. Um, we did some wild and crazy content ideas like broadcasting a Facebook Live series in the back of a car with these celebrities as they were going home. <laughs> it was when Facebook Live kind of just launched. Um, we went live yeah, on Periscope, you know, right before uh, the show. That was super thrilling. Um, it was just such a fun, fun time. Andy was an incredible boss and leader. And from a social perspective, I felt so lucky to have that creative freedom um, and to provide something for our fans that gave them an exciting escape from their lives. Mm -hmm. Provided such a nice way for people to kind of like wind down from their evening, have a cocktail, keep it loose, keep it funny, get some scoop. Um, it was just the ultimate social community management position ever. I loved, loved, I loved. I feel like there was so much newness too, that like the yeah. trial of it all, um, like you mentioned Paris is like I remember yeah. we tried it like live from the likable offices <laughs> I know. Like, watch, watch what happens live was such an like an opportunity to capitalize on the live social stuff like yeah, it just worked out so well for you that's yeah. so cool we were I was just so fortunate kind of to be at the right moment at the right time like you said Facebook yeah. live was launching we uh, partnered with Chevy and uh, we did it was called watch what happens drive where after the guests were kind of you know had some fun on the show maybe had a couple cocktails <laughs> in them we hopped we hopped in the uh, the back of the car with them and broadcast it live from our Facebook from our phones to Facebook to kind of talk to them about their night get in any other like juicy tidbits or morsels or talk about whatever the housewives had had to say at that moment so that was super super fun and it's so funny because we another bravo show summer um, house yes <laughs> we watched the show and then after um like Paige and Hannah always go live on Instagram live and do like their own little show and it's kind of this like post programming that you yes. look forward to after the episode's even over yes. and it sounds like that's exactly what you were doing with Watch What Happens Drive too. Yeah, absolutely. And we that Watch What Happens Drive was like the after after show because Watch What Happens Live is like, you know, that 11 o'clock. Yeah. Sometimes the time yeah. changes, but it's 11 o'clock. And then they go at this time, at the time I was there, then they would go on Bravo TV, do like a 10 to 20 minute after show. So like that's when really I felt sometimes the after show was even more exciting than the live show. <laughs> I remember for the first time when Kim Kardashian came on the uh, show and she took a butt selfie with Andy and we coined it the Belfie. Like just yes. crazy, wild, fun things. Um, it was such a such an awesome, awesome time in my life. Also worked uh, at the Rachel Ray show during the day and watched what happens live at night. Um, I just absolutely wow. loved that daytime show. Um, I felt I could still maintain that nighttime schedule as well. So food and social is such a cool space, right? Food is so important to the culture of social media with food blockers, mm -hmm. stylized photos, how-to videos, recipes. Yep. And at the Rachel Ray show, I, I really learned the value of imagery and video and how that could engage and activate so many people. I remember being a kid watching 30 minute meals. So it was just such a, oh, such an yes. awesome, the same. awesome, well, awesome. I feel time. like also when you watch cooking shows, it's like so enthralling, right? And you're like, yeah. you love watching it, but it's, you're not cooking in real time with it. So creating yeah. that social content that goes mm -hmm. along with it that, you know, shares the recipe or shares the tips yeah. after the fact. 
I feel like is so important for cooking right? shows. Absolutely. And, and I think smart, smart cooks or smart chefs or smart cooking shows are starting to kind of use this time right now while people are at home, like uh, yeah. Christina Tosi from Milk Bar, right? Yep. She's doing something called Bake Club. I think it's every Monday at two o'clock on her Instagram yes, live. I saw She's that like, on Instagram. So fun. cool. And like you can get all the ingredients ahead of time and you can literally in real time bake along with her. And I just think that people are using kind of these social tools in such innovative ways and really getting the marketing, really getting the UGC, really getting people to convert. And it's so, so cool. Um, so yeah, so I, I just really enjoyed flexing my social skills for daytime, the evening for Watch Happens Live. I felt like I really made my mark in television after those seven, eight years and it provided me such a wonderful twist from first wanting to be a TV producer, an MTV VJ, right? To really being on that forefront of social media so kind of closing out season one of my television life, kind of going into season two of my uh, new life. Um, by 2016, I really got inspired by the election. Um, I really wanted to give back in a way, in a more meaningful way. Uh, so mm -hmm. I took a yeah, so I took a position as senior digital communications manager at the Clinton Foundation. Um, that was such an incredibly interesting time to be at the foundation. So yeah. rewarding. The foundation is just so incredibly impactful because it's an operating foundation, meaning that they do the charitable work. Um, so they work with strategic partners to put people first uh, by creating you know, economic opportunity, improving public health, inspiring civic engagement service. And during that time in 2016, Secretary Clinton uh, was running for office against Donald Trump. And there were many false allegations against the foundation. So mm -hmm. that experience managing the foundation's social media yeah. taught me. Crisis management. <laughs> exactly. Taught me so much about crisis management, sticking to message, uh, learning when to engage, when not to engage. Yeah. Taught me a lot about social bots and bad faith actors and the rise of disinformation. Um, and while I completely enjoyed my experience there, I knew I made my impact through reshaping, retooling their social media, through launching the first ever presidential podcast. And that's when an opportunity came knocking on my door with Scholastic. So in 2019, I became the director of social media and special projects at Scholastic, currently there now. Um, I always admired the work of Scholastic and their commitment to improving children's literacy everywhere. And it's also a bit mm -hmm. nostalgic, too, I think, for so many of us, right? Um, we can remember, you know, going to that Scholastic book fair to purchase the I Spy yeah. series or Babysitter's Club, the Stinky Cheese Man, the Guinness Book of World Records. <laughs> um, it, it's just such a part of your childhood and you probably don't even know in the subtle ways through like through like our teaching and education materials that we provide for teachers mm -hmm. um it's just it's just incredible and, and i've had the awesome opportunity to work on some really phenomenal campaigns um i've also been able to be a part of several large books and their marketing plans it's just uh i think it's been a really interesting time in social media given the coronavirus but i've been so lucky to work with amazing creative storytellers and marketers that are nimble we can be flexible um, really just kind of keep our audience engaged. I'm curious, you know, Scholastic has a lot of content and a lot of books to work with. What is it like trying to kind of navigate that on social and making sure you're planning out the content and giving attention to all these different titles and making mm -hmm. sure, you know, the brand is coming across strong. It's kind of like a, the meeting of the minds weekly yep. <laughs> where we have just such <laughs> a large, um, we just have such a large content calendar. So in addition to the trade, uh, our trade business unit, we also have Scholastic Education, which is all different yep. types of products and teaching materials. Um, we have our Scholastic Teachers and Parents um, business units that really focus on content and books, supporting purchases on our Scholastic.com site. 
Um, we also have book clubs, which were the flyers that you would get um, as a kid. If you ever got a Scholastic Book Club yes. flyer, it would go in your book bag. You'd circle all the different books that you wanted. And then the Scholastic Book Fair. So it's we have uh, for each of the business units, they do operate with their own social channels. So they really kind of mm -hmm. uplift their own content, um, especially because they're in it so day to day. But on more of our corporate Scholastic branded channel, um, we do support most of our trade uh, our trade activity activations, whether that be the new books that are coming out. And then we'll amplify the different book clubs, book fairs, education, parent and teacher uh, content as well. Um, so it is a delicate balance, but luckily each of these books are going to, we know when they're going to go out. We know when the marketing is going to happen for them. So we just have a massive content calendar and we have <laughs> regular meetings that we kind of just always keep in touch with. Um, but there's yeah. always, you know, we're in 2020, so there's always going to be some type of curveball that will come your way. <laughs> of but course. I want to comment on something that you mentioned when you're introducing yourself about your title, including special projects. Sure. So I want to talk about some special projects more specifically. Is there anything that you, you know, we know about like the bookshelf yeah. IG page we are obsessed with. Oh, good. And good. I shared it with like everyone on our creative oh, team and I was like, you. this is amazing. Amazing. Oh. I love it. So I want to talk more about like specific accomplishments that you're really excited about that you've yeah. done so far in the social yeah. media space. Absolutely. You know, when I was hired for uh, as social media director and special projects, one of my special projects, in addition to our Scholastic Reads podcast, was uh, launching the Scholastic Bookshelf. So I would say that's cool. probably one of my biggest accomplishments at Scholastic is launching our new Instagram handle, the Scholastic Bookshelf. Um, We've always at Scholastic kind of taken a fearless approach to our content. And about a year ago, we started thinking about how we can meet parents and teachers where they are, which is on social media, and how we could kind of use the power of story to really help parents and teachers answer life's biggest questions. And now more than ever, it's so important to talk about these difficult topics that kids are experiencing, like death, illness happiness, voting, government, community, the list goes on to about 69 topics. Um, and we did a lot of research. Uh, we found that 61% of parents and teachers often use stories, books, articles to navigate those tougher conversations with kids. Mm -hmm. And roughly three in four millennial parents turn to social media for parenting advice. So the classic bookshelf on Instagram is really that tool that parents and teachers can turn to through a beautiful display of artwork and enriching stories. Um, additionally, externally, the tool, was, the tool was shared with multiple blogs, newsletters, email campaigns, and we're nearing that 12,000 followers on Instagram, um, which our goal was to get at least 10,000 um, in the first month or two so we could have a good swipe up. <laughs> so we're really, <laughs> we're really, really proud of uh, the work we've done. It sounds like you've kind of found a sweet spot from your experience. Like, Books, in a way, are entertainment, similar to TV. It's, it's an escape, like you mentioned, yeah. but also with your work with the Clinton Foundation and wanting mm -hmm. to, again, do good and make a difference, and you're able to do that at Scholastic. It's pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah, thank you so much. I mean, I think being able to you know, provide, uh, it's, it, it's like mixing both entertainment and education, right? You're giving right. kids and parents and teachers, um, these enriching, beautiful stories, thanks to our incredible authors. And then we get to put them in the hands of kids everywhere, um, that can really educate themselves, but also entertain themselves, um, escape through a story. And it's just been such a pleasure. So Scholastic is celebrating its hundredth birthday this year. Is that correct? 
Yes, we just celebrated the end of October, 100 years. It's pretty wild. (laughs) That is wild. (laughs) Tell us about what innovation looks like for Scholastic, um, a company that's been around for 100 years, you know, such a rich history, what's next in the future? Yeah, absolutely. You've touched on it, right? Scholastic has such a rich history. We started out as the classroom magazine um, and we've evolved uh, to become obviously the world's largest uh, children's publisher and and education uh, educator. Um, So I think I think there's so many things that are on the horizon uh, for Scholastic. um, And I can definitely say what's on the horizon for our social team. Um, Yeah. We've just launched a new digital series called Book Break um, that's happening every Thursday at 2 p.m. on the Scholastic Bookshelf Instagram live channel. Um, Since, you know, the grid is pretty locked and loaded right now with our our topics, (laughs) uh, we don't want to mess any of that up because it flows so nicely. So how do we kind of continue to keep that content fresh? And that's definitely through stories. So um, one of our authors and educational experts, Pam Allen, uh, she talks with another one of our scholastic authors or experts that are featured on the bookshelf uh, to talk about one of the topics. So I think IGTV is such an interesting tool, especially right now, uh, to really kind of can personally and in, in connect your followers to an author, to an expert, to be able to yeah. interact and engage. Um, and in, in, in kind of an intimate way too, right? It's all in your hands. It's all on your phone. Um, so, so it's really, really when, cool. When you were talking about the Instagram live, something kind of came up in my mind that we haven't talked about yet. And it's really just what kids are absorbing on social. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting perspective working for a company where, mm-hmm. you know, the content is for kids, but it's also for parents, but finding mm-hmm. that balance. Um, one of our clients is a indoor water mm-hmm. park for kids and or constantly grappling with, you know, putting out content that kids will like, but also not trying to like spam kids with advertisements on YouTube where they're going there to to learn and things like that. So I'd right. love to hear kind of what your experience right. with that has been like and how right. you're trying to approach that topic. Absolutely. I mean, we take that really seriously through all of our marketing. Our focus is mm-hmm. really on that parent and teacher audience and kind of really using our listening skills to figure out what parents and teachers need and want and what books they're interested in most. So I will say, I think, you know, during say the height of the pandemic in March, um, during the early days of the pandemic, we were really listening to what our customers, particularly our teachers and parents needed. Um, and that was learning yeah. activities, learning sheets, guided lesson plans. And that's when we created this product called Scholastic Learn at Home. And our incredible team really wanted to support children's continuous learning at home um, and for back-to-school plans to help families and schools with digital learning opportunities. Um, we provided ready-made resources on fascinating topics to keep mm-hmm. the learning gap, to keep the learning going. Um, and schools across right. the country were shutting down and teachers were just scrambling. Um, and we did our best and we listened and we wanted to reduce that learning gap. So we were trying to find things that parents and teachers were searching for right. and needed to then give to their kids rather than marking directly to kids. Um, it's kind of a tricky, a tricky space and you want to be delicate without, like you said, overwhelming or spamming. It always comes back to strong social listening, I think. Um, a lot of the takeaways that we, we get out of these interviews yeah. is people really investing time and resources into learning more about those specific audiences and making sure they're catering everything to them. I mean, like that's 
clearly what needs to happen in social. I don't know how many times we need to say it on this show (laughs) and how many times people need to present it, but it's truly, it provides value. (laughs) And I mean, look at all the accolades that you already shared, you know, like clearly you guys are doing it well. We're trying. And I think I'm hopeful that that will be Mm. a trend in 2021. And it's no secret that 2020 has been such, you know, a trying year for so many Americans from political and social upheaval to the global pandemic that I think smart brands are learning now or they've been forced to learn um, to remain quiet before jumping in too soon, right? Allow those important voices that should be shared and uplifted on social media to rise up Mm -hmm, when there is mm -hmm. a groundswelling of a political or social issue happening. Brands... Mm -hmm. You know, brands don't need to crowd the social right. the social feeds with information about a new product <laughs> or their tenth post on sale. <laughs> that could be pushed off to a later date. You know, there's there's bigger topics and issues that are happening in the world that your customers are focused on, and hopefully, smart brands will find you know their place and their seat at the table in a conversation and know when to post and when to allow other voices to rise up. It's about prioritizing listening over shouting through your social megaphone and, and I'm hopeful people <laughs> One are starting thing to understand that. <laughs> listening to, or I guess watching hmm. related to this is I love all of the teacher videos on social right now, specifically on TikTok, but, you know, just showing, mm. you know, th- they record them with their kids on the Zoom and showing like their patients and how it's been through virtual learning and what it's like to be a teacher right now. And it's given me like a new appreciation and respect. And I'm just amazed. Um, so I'm sure a lot of your Seriously. teacher audience too appreciates a lot of the content that you're yes, putting out. Absolutely. Oh, thank you. And absolutely. I mean, I, we just respect teachers so much. We give them no so way. much credit. It is oh, not I do not easy. have the patience that <laughs> some of these people have. What they're doing. Um, exactly. So anytime they're you know, raising <laughs> the red flag or the white flag of they need this, they need that, like we want to be there to provide that for them. Um, and again, it, it all comes back to, like you said, the, the listening and, and prioritizing what can you provide people? What can be of value? What is, you know, rather than here's a cool sale. Do you know what I mean? Like that just yes. gets stale. A hundred percent. It feels too much like a marketing message. And I mean, I know exactly. we're marketers, but you need it to right. feel more That's conversational. Not, yeah. It's not why people are on Yeah, social. exactly. 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 Even exactly. though you got the nice wine bottle opener out of the Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> that one, oh. okay, That's- Different priorities. Everyone needs a wide open. Exactly. (laughs) I love that we're kind of ending on a lesson that you learn as a kid through books and through your teachers and parents, which is use your listening skills. Exactly. Use your listening skills. You don't always have to be comprehension at its finest. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Exactly. (laughs) I have so much nostalgia for the book fair. Like, brings back so many good memories. It does. I was a big reader growing mm-hmm. up. Nerd. <laughs> it's okay. Who am I Bully. kidding? Me too. <laughs> and I used to read all my brother's books too. And he was a big Captain Underpants guy. Ooh, that's a classic. Classic. Yeah, I don't know. I like thinking about how far Scholastica has come in the last 100 years. I know. Like, what are we going to read to our children one day? It's probably not even published yet it's definitely not published yet and then you think about all the work that scholastic is doing to publish more stories by authors who are black indigenous or people of color totally bridget was telling us you know after the interview ended 
about how they're using social media to kind of put out a call to action for more of those stories and cutting out that agent piece that has historically needed to be in place before it reached Scholastic. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely making the publishing of those books way more accessible than it ever was before. Circling back a little bit to what we were talking about at the top of the episode about shopping local, I feel like bookstores have been the most impacted by big old Amazon. I know, for sure. And we said this earlier too, but there's no better time to be shopping local. And the account that I think you all should be following this week is Etsy. We know them as, you know, the place to buy things that are handmade from local vendors or vendors across the globe. And this holiday season, their blog is doing a really wonderful job at highlighting small businesses that you can support with your gifting this year. Amazing. I just ordered some wall decals from Etsy. They came in two days, just like Amazon. (laughs) And I got to support a local business owner. Yeah, so definitely look to support local businesses in your area this holiday season, especially as Small Business Saturday is coming up this week. And... And that's it. Have a happy Thanksgiving, everyone. See you next week. All the social ladies, 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 all the social ladies. Now put your phones up.